Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's Thursday night, and you know what that means. One hour of commercial-free NVL. They just like with a cup of tea, like, you're right, lads. Oh, man, you guys are amazing. The contract, like, 91, Dan. Marino. Yes! Okay, okay. Total, Total one. There it is. Back-to-back world champs, 1776. Just really take advantage of you guys ever since then. <laughs> so let's talk about you getting dominated by Jadavian Clowney. Um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the coolest f***ing interview I've ever had. Don't say that when we're not recording. <laughs> hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. Mr. 108, Colby Jones. I'm Jeff Garcia. My name is Tom Bahali. My name is Roberto Guayo. Hey, everybody. I'm Maurice Jones. Drew. I'm Jalen Mills. My name is Taylor Lewan. Jack Bradley, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you watching the NBL Show. And you've been listening to the NBL Show. NBL Show. The NBL Show. You're listening to the NBL Show. David Bakhtiari. That's so good. That's not the answer I had, but that's brilliant. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm FL Bada and you're watching the NVL. No, I'm gonna do that again. Nailed it. No, that was perfect. <laughs> no, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a day of destiny. A day I've waited for for so long. Since I started this company, um, our guest today adorned the back of our business cards from the very beginning. Yes. Uh, adorned t-shirts. Yes. Wearing um, one now. Wearing one right now. I'm wearing his jersey right now, which he very kindly signed for me uh, back in the day. I badgered him on social media until he finally did it. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm anxious to introduce someone <laughs> whose story I absolutely love and got me into the NFL. Ladies and gentlemen, around the NBA, NBL table, it's Mr. Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf, how are you doing, sir? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on. A man who's doing his own show right now, the RDL show. Catch it on YouTube, I believe. Yep. Yep. We started about a month ago. It's taken off like we couldn't believe, and we got a we got a solid fan base. It's fun. I got a good group of guys, and we're it's grassroots, but uh, you know we're doing what we want. And we've got kind of the same sort of set because behind us we've got like vintage posters. He's got a Ryan Leaf helmet. A lot of his stuff is Ryan Leaf centric in his background. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got the shirt on. Yeah, I've got, got the, the shirt on. Shirt. I do got I do got a pair of Kobe Bryant's first uh, Adidas shoes that he gave me back when we were rookies. Oh, together. flex, uh, flex, a massive flex. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's brilliant. So no, I, li- we, I like those. Yeah, we normally whip stuff out, but now nah, you win. Yeah, exactly. Um, you win with um, Kobe's. You know. Shoes. So I was going to ask you, um, is there any part of you where you would have followed in your brother's footsteps? Not followed in his footsteps, but, you know, you finished at Washington State. You go back to Montana and you take over your father's business and you shoot elk in the Rocky Mountains with a bow and arrow and uh, fly fish on the Sun River and just be a Montana boy. Was it always the NFL or was that appealing at all? I thought, well, I, I figured if I went and played in the NFL, I could probably buy a bunch of Montana and do all that, I thought, in my <laughs> mind. So, um, no, I was, you know, I wanted I wanted to be a professional athlete, whatever that looked like. That was that was the, dro- the, the goal and dream when I was a kid. My dad had me put together, like, you know, my goals, and it was to be a professional athlete, whatever that looked like. Basketball, I thought, was going to be it for a long, long time. It was my favorite sport, but uh, ultimately football was the best avenue, and um, you know, everybody has those dreams and goals. I just, you know, I couldn't believe that it actually came to fruition for me, but, uh, um, I love doing all those things. I just, I just didn't, uh, uh, thought I'd, I thought I'd be able to play in the NFL for, for a while before I started doing it again. Um, when we spoke to Caleb Farley, he mentioned that he was practicing his 40 stance when he was eight years old. And we've heard that you used to run two minute drills off the clock on the microwave. With a tea towel tucked into your waistband. <laughs> Is that true? 
Yeah, yeah. I would flip over the couch, win the score, score the winning touchdown, win the day uh, in my Pittsburgh Steelers helmet and 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 gear. And I just love competition. I love sports. Me and my dad, my brothers, we just we played and played and played and played. So, you know, to get to the highest level when you know, I don't, I don't think anybody expected me ever to do so. And, uh, you know, and, and not, not, not enjoy it. Like I had enjoyed sports my whole life. Uh, it's disappointing. It was, it was very disappointing. Was it difficult coming from Montana, a uh, small town, the bustling metropolis that is Great Falls? Is it Great Falls? Yeah. The, the trains and the people rushing past. Was it difficult going from there to Washington State, which again, not a huge city, is outside of Seattle, isn't it? It's it's um, further inland, right? Yeah, it's further inland. It's actually closer to Montana. So no, it was you know uh, where I went to college was actually smaller, a smaller town than where I grew up in in Montana. So it was actually perfect. You know, I was the microscope wasn't incredibly um, um, high powered, but you know. Soon as I got to the NFL, I, w- I was not prepared for the scutiny and the scope of what that was going to look like. Of being all. number two, I just, yeah, just yeah. didn't I didn't under, didn't fully understand what this was about to be. Because I'm guessing from what you've just said, like the whole goal was to, like you said, make it become pro athlete. Now that I guess is for a lot of college kids is the only goal. All they care about is getting drafted, getting on a team, and then they think, well, we'll deal with the rest later. I'm guessing that was kind of your mentality too. And then you weren't prepared for the, the rest. Well, I just assumed that I would be just as good. You know, it would, it would be as easy. Not that it was, you know, not that I didn't work my, my tail off in high school and in college to get where I was at. But when I got on the field and I knew what I was doing, you know, you know, we had our way with defenses and teams in college. Like it was, you know, I was easily the first or second pick in the NFL draft. There wasn't, a, wasn't an issue about that. I think I just assumed that no matter what, was what kind of character defects I had in my personal character that I would just be successful on the football field and that would take care of everything. But there is a giant step from from college football to the NFL. There's a reason why there's only, you know, 27,000 of us ever in 100 years of football uh, to play in the NFL. That's that's a small number. But focusing on the Washington State years, I mean, you bossed it. I mean... Like you led the led the uh, NCAA in passing one year, and Peyton Manning was playing, and that is why you're eligible for the college for Hall of Fame, right? Uh, well, I'm I'm uh, I was a first team All American, yeah. which I didn't realize, and and during a year when Peyton Manning existed, that's that's yeah. an incredible honor. It really was because he he pretty much took home all the hardware that year, yeah. Uh, uh, in terms of quarterback play, so uh, no, it, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a special time. Best choice I made was to go to Washington State, play for Mike Price, uh, to be a Cougar. That team was incredibly special, and we did something that you know hadn't been done in sixty-seven years. And you and the Fab Five, the wide receiver core. Yeah. Can were, you name the Fab group. Five? Can you name all five of them? Oh, on the spot. Let's go. Yeah, Sean Timms, Sean McWashington, uh, Kevin McKenzie, Chris Jackson, and Nyan Taylor. Not even a breath. Not even a breath. And that is why that man is enshrined in the Washington State Cougars Hall of Fame circa, what was it, like 2018? When did they put you in? Yeah, a couple years ago. A couple years ago. Nailed it. yeah, that's a good crew. That's a good crew. My old, my old line was had a nickname called the Fat Five. So that, that's a, that's, that was even a better crew right there. 
<laughs> That's brilliant. And you had um, Steve Gleason, linebacker. Yeah. Obviously played um, famously, uh, blocked a punt uh, after Hurricane Katrina in the Superdome. Mm. Um, yeah. And you also had someone who you described as one of the most talented players you've ever played with and someone who no one can do it on talent alone. But you you said that this person was the closest to ever be able to do that. And that was Leon Bender. Now, he, for people who don't know, he unfortunately passed away uh, just after leaving uh, Washington State while in the training camp with the Oakland Raiders. Now, I'm interested to ask you, because you, you played on the field with him. What do you think he would have done in the NFL? Had he, you know, been given the chance? He was... Uh... He was as talented and athletic for a big guy as, as I'd seen in a long time. They were going to put probably 15 to 20 more pounds on him and his speed that would rival, you know, probably the likes of, he would have been, he would have been very similar I think to Michael Strahan, who ultimately would be the single season sack uh, record holders. That's, that's the kind of athleticism and work ethic and speed and everything that was there. And it was devastating to, to lose him at such a young age before he even got a chance to to do any of that. Yeah. I mean, so many um, cautionary tales come out of the NFL. You know, I think uh, yours is obviously one of them. Um, I mean, but putting all of that, that all comes later. So we're going out of Washington State. We're coming towards the draft. Hunter S. Thompson is gunning for you. <laughs> Have you heard this story? Of course you must have heard this. Because you've raised it. You raised this on the Rich Eisen show the other week when you were co-hosting, I think. But I think it came up yeah. maybe a year and a half ago because we mentioned it then. So <laughs> I don't know when you found out about it, but we knew about it. Apparently, for those that don't know, Hunter S. Thompson wrote a very interesting letter calling Jim Ursay, what was it called? Like Jim, Jimmy Boy? Yeah, Jimmy Boy or something, something like, like that. that. James. 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 The writer of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas <laughs> took it upon himself to um, write to James yep. and say, um, draft Peyton Manning. No, he no? said draft Ryan Leaf. Draft Peyton, Ryan Leaf. Ryan don't Leaf draft, is a star. Don't, don't draft Peyton Manning. Yeah. Peyton Manning is going to do nothing and Ryan Leaf is the guy and I will help you pay for Ryan Leaf. <sighs> Put money up. If only. Because because this new uh, debt movie that's coming out is going to make him rich. <laughs> that was right. Thought, so. <laughs> and that's, and he, didn't, yeah. he didn't get any money out of it, Ryan, so it couldn't have ever happened. It was sad. Well, good thing, good thing, uh, Mr. Ursay did not listen to Mr. Thompson. Uh, I last week I hosted the Rich Eisen show, and uh, I had Jim Ursay on as a guest, and we talked about this, and he he uh, he talked uh, a little bit about that letter and about his relationship with 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 Hunter, and it's a, it's such a cool story. I didn't know anything about it until like almost twenty years uh, since the draft. It's, it's amazing that letter was kept under wraps for so long. I just happened to run into a, to somebody at a Dodgers game who told me about this letter that came through the fax machine at AT&T uh, where he worked and uh, and it got passed along to me and that's how it all came to, to fruition. So it's 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 been a interesting uh, uh, storyline um, with me and the Colts in, in that 1998 draft. It's been yeah. fun to, so to in talk the run-up to that, obviously you've spent the whole pretty much your whole time at Washington State with uh, one eye on this guy named Peyton who's cooking up records down in Tennessee he, obviously you got your guys' story is, is is put together so much what was it like because there was so much coverage of that draft 
um it, it was like real print media stuff there's so many pictures of you guys doing photo shoots together there's this where you're at the rookie symposium you're, you're all talking what was your relationship like at that point well you know back in that day there was no cell phone so we had to be home and when we got phone calls and i remember our uh he had asked his sports information director and so did i if we could get in contact with another during the season of our of our final year because we just we knew we were going to be you know, linked together and we developed a bit of a friendship and, um, and we have even through the incredible success of his career, uh, the lack of success of mine. And then my further downfall in from the human side of things, he's always been a support. Uh, I probably think we have a closer relationship than we do. We, you know, we text from time to time, we stay in touch, keep each other informed on our families and, and things like that. So, um, his family's been incredibly supportive uh, and great to mine. And, uh, and he knows that if he ever needs anything from me, um, I, I'm, I'm someone who will always be there for him as well. Has he ever tried to sell you nationwide insurance? He hasn't. I've been trying. He, he, he's, a, <laughs> he's a new member to Augusta National. And that for me is, that's where, that's where I'm trying to weasel my have way. You, have you ever played him at golf? Oh, yes. I have not played him in golf. Oh, yet. That oh that's uh, got to happen. That is got to be on Sky that's Sports. Gotta happen. We got to do that. We got to do one of the uh, the made for TV events. Yeah. Right, exactly. exactly. I mean, the nation yeah. would tune in for that. That'd be amazing. Bring bring Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley back into the mix. Right, exactly. We'll Winner donates the other one's charity. Let's make it happen. Come on. So, you you you're obviously with Peyton Manning, and then you get to I think you said one of the coolest experiences that you had uh, that that football gave you was the Heisman Trophy. Um, award ceremony in 1997. Now you have uh, Ryan Leaf, Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning, and Randy Moss all in one room. Like, what was that like? Well, it was amazing. Uh, first of all, to be representing Washington State as a Heisman finalist, they've never had a representative uh, in New York for the ceremony, and and they haven't since. So, I mean, there was a ton of firsts. It was an amazing opportunity. My family was there. My coach was there I got to represent Washington State University and then be around uh, who would go on to be three Hall of Famers alongside me at the NFL level and Charles and Peyton and, and Randy but uh, wonderful night knew I wasn't going to win just enjoyed every minute of it with my family uh, enjoyed being 21 years old in New York and a Heisman Trophy candidate uh, went to Saturday Night Live oh uh, who was hosting Jack Nicholson and uh, Helen Hunt oh, amazing hosting. so yeah, wow. it was, Twister uh, must have just come out. <laughs> and then you flew home to do the um, Rose Bowl, right? Yeah, and we flew home uh, and had to get ready for the Rose Bowl and play for essentially the national championship. If we would have won, uh, we would have been in a conversation if Peyton were able to have beaten uh, Nebraska for the for the national championship. We would have been would have been right there in the conversation. So Brian was, Greasy uh, and his Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, incredible game. Uh, one of the best, very controversial ending because of a, a clock issue. Um, Coach Bryce likes to tell people we didn't lose. We just ran out of time. I like to, <laughs> yeah, I like to that's, to that's what you used to that. tell the microwave, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, wonderful experience. First time Washington State had done that in 67 years. Uh, the fans, um, you know, it was it was just the coolest thing to walk onto that field and see Washington State written in the end zone of the iconic Rose Bowl. Yeah. Still to this day gives me goosebumps, yeah. And you took them there, bro. 
That's all you. First time in 67 years, as you said earlier. No, it wasn't all me. No, not at all. We had, Why don't we have the Fab Five, the Fat team. Five, Leon Bender, <laughs> Steve Gleason. Defense was, defense was amazing, yeah. It, that, that, was, that was the epitome of a team effort. We had like 26 seniors, too, on that team. We were senior-laden senior guys that were passed over by bigger schools, made to go to junior colleges, Prop 48s who didn't qualify when they could get in, get in from high school and they've worked their tail off to get the opportunity. I mean, it was, it was, a uh, it was the Island of misfit toys that got it done. But that's always the best. You know, you don't want like university of Miami 2002. It's all the best stars, Sean Taylor, Clinton Portis, the university of Miami, where uh, people don't know this and I need to sing about this because I love it. They offered you a scholarship to play linebacker alongside Dwayne, the rock Johnson, didn't they? Well, it, it was uh they just told me they were the recruiting coordinator was saw me more as maybe a tight end linebacker type mm-hmm. um which was a compliment too because they produced tight ends like like gangbusters you know so um i don't think it would ever was going to be a defensive player uh, i didn't really play much defense in high school i played safety from time to time so i, I kind of had a linebackers mentality i think it's what they went by but ultimately if i think if i would have went to miami they would have tried to probably force me into an 80 number playing tight end. Because that was, was that Danny Werfels? No, that's Florida. That's Florida. Who was the quarterback at Miami? Well, this, was, uh, this was during the national championship run with uh, Gino Toretta. And then with, uh, it was, I think, Ryan Collins and uh, Frank Costa were the quarterbacks when I was uh, looking into that. Yeah. Uh, we brushed over partying with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Did that happen? Well, I didn't know it. I didn't know it until 20 years later, right? I mean, when you're there, you don't know who, who these guys were, but... When I look back on it now, I, I certainly believe it was him. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the guy standing I, on the bar stool just giving everyone eyebrows. Well, he wasn't doing that. You know, he was this giant. Uh, you know, not that he's not a giant now, but he was wasn't as lean and muscular then. He was a you know big defensive tackle that was just trying to trying to stay afloat and play football. You know, for the U. But you had a guy like Warren Sapp who was kicking his butt and getting the starting job. So you know, it's. It's interesting, uh, the guys that were there, and, and now that I can look back on it uh, and, and think about it, I'm like, you know what? That was, that was Dwayne Johnson who was with us that night. <laughs> Worlds collide. He probably does the same, Ryan. <laughs> he goes, you know what? I think I partied. 17-year-old Ryan, Ryan Leaf <laughs> at Dan Marino's Bar and Grill, <laughs> yeah. and he yeah. had his first Bacardi yeah, I wonder if I wonder if he remembers. I'm sure he has no idea. He's met so many people in his life, and who would have known when a, you know, a punk little quarterback from Montana wandered through Dan Marino's bar. Uh, I, I probably it. was a fool, fool too. I had never drank alcohol and I drank uh, uh, for the first time that night and was an absolute mess. So that's my favorite part about that story is that it took place at Dan Marino's bar and grill. It's the most NFL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I'll also add something else, Ryan. Um, Maurice Jones drew came on and was talking about his first time getting drunk was also on a college visit and was also on Bacardi and Cokes. So if you ever bump into yeah. him, there's something you can <laughs> tap a Bacardi and Coke together and have a good laugh. Oh, about NFL the, players, all they're the all the same. Don't remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if we move yeah. forward to the draft and um, San Diego trading up into the second spot, uh, you said something quite interesting um, because you talk about the Ryan Leaf that was drafted there, um, you know, and the Ryan Leaf that was at the end of the time in, in Washington as like a different guy almost. Um, and you said that, Someone asked you, what was your favorite thing about the NFL that time? And you said the women. Like, what, have you got any stories like that? Like, when you got to San Diego, what's it like being the, you know, a high second yeah, round, I mean, second it was, draft pick? 
it was absurd, right? The, you know, you'd, you'd think you'd, you'd get more women, but I was such an asshole too. I was such a jerk. I mean, the women had to have had no self-esteem there. Um, but some, you know, some just, some were. And I remember, this is the, the, the one story I remember this, I got this gift basket sitting on like this care package gift basket sitting on my porch one day and, and uh, it had all these, you know, you know, neat uh, massage oils and, and fruit and, and things like that. And, uh, and then a little envelope with a, a note uh, with some, some pretty risque pictures from this woman who was, <laughs> uh, it was beautiful, just a beautiful woman. And like, it, it didn't even like resonate with me. Like this woman had to, this woman might be insane. She had to like get through security to get through a gated community to drop off this, this uh, care pack. And she had to know where I lived and all these things, but I didn't hesitate. Like I, I called her up immediately and like, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and we ended up, we ended up getting together. I think probably no think way after I got, after I got shellacked by the giants, uh, after I yelled at the reporter that week, uh, you know, I was so despondent. I, I probably was like, no one else is. No one else is gonna answer my call. I'm gonna call, call porch lady. That's yeah. what I'm gonna do. Exactly. Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, beautiful woman. Um, so she wasn't insane. I'm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she probably was. I just, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about that at the time. <laughs> but I mean, that is, I mean, today, what, what, what happens? Dick pics, so pathetically effortless. Mm. This woman went to the effort of choosing fruit, a oils, basket, a basket, an arrangement, uh, clearly a disguise to get past security. Yeah, uh, her friend, Must a big trench been. coat to get in, and then you know, I mean, I would, re- I would, I'd take that for a run just to see what happens. And he did. What effort. a true love story. What an effort. Good effort. So, first two yeah. games in San Diego. Did you know at the time that you were the first rookie since John Elway to win two on the bounce? They, uh, I, I found that out. Yeah, I mean, they, they. They told me uh, um, heading into the Kansas City game, yeah, that, that that hadn't happened since 1983. So, you know, I was looking at at what we've just accomplished as incredible success. Uh, and if I was making comparisons, you know, Peyton had struggled a lot and they went 0 2 to start the season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was I thought we were we were rolling. You know, little did I know that I was about to get hospitalized with a staph infection in my leg and then try to play against a Kansas City team. Who had three pro bowlers in bad weather. Let's be fair. Now, this Kansas City game, (laughs) let's be fair. It wasn't wasn't about the performance. It wasn't about the performance. The performance is the performance. It's how I reacted to it after the fact. So what we're talking about here, people um, may or may not know, there was a, a video of Ryan yelling at a reporter. I'd love to know what he asked you. But in the run up to that game, you were ill. You were in hospital. You missed practice. You were coming against Kansas City, who had Derek Thomas, three pro yeah. bowlers on the defense, bad weather. You hadn't played all week, and you're going two hour ahead, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't optimal. We'll put it that way. <laughs> and so, what do you remember the question that the guy asked you? Well, he'd written a story in the paper from uh, how I reacted in the locker room after the game with a, a cameraman, a cameraman who worked for the team had was getting footage and he turned around and it was back in the day when those cameras had those big batteries on the back and it smacked me in the temple in my head. And I was already just so embarrassed for how I played and sick and all of the things. And I just, I, you know, I erupted on him and belittled him. And so the beat reporter wrote an article in the paper about it. And so when we got in the next day, I, uh, 
I confronted him about, you know, you know, some things are private in the locker room and he just, you know, he baited me. Um, and, uh, I lost it. I, I did what I normally did with people and tried to intimidate them and kind of picked him up and threw him in a chair. And then the cameraman on the other side of the corner flipped around and caught the, you know, iconic video of me screaming, you know, don't talk to me, uh, and being, you know, whisked out of there and thrown into the shower by junior Seau. So, you know, I was kind of the, you know, it, was, it kind of defined me for a long, long time, a caricature of me. And, um, I can honestly tell you my NFL career ended that day because of how I behaved and how I dealt with the situation. I would go on and play for three more years, but I don't remember anything positive happening after that. Did Junior say anything to you? Because at this point, Junior's obviously sort of a defensive leader. You know, everyone looks up to him. Yeah, he threw me in the, he threw me in the shower and just told me to cool down and we'll go get something to eat afterwards. I mean, he was a, he was a mentor. Mm. Uh, a mentor I didn't utilize like I should have. But you said, I can't remember anything good from the last, from the sort of back three uh, years of my career. Let me take you to the Denver Broncos in the year 2000. <laughs> Gus Farrot, I can see that grin. Gus Farrot, who's also been on this show. Legend. Who is one of the greatest locker room pranksters of all time. I don't know if you know that. I don't know that. He, oh, so he used to... Um, when Ryan Fitzpatrick first got drafted to the Rams, him and um, Mark, Mark Bolger, Bolger, who again is sort of like a no-name quarterback from history, um, it's fairly plain, you know, you wouldn't think anything of it. He, they both, every time uh, they put the pants in Ryan Fitzpatrick's locker, they would ask the... Um, Equipment one of the equipment managers to take it in by an inch every time. And so by the third game, they were going, Ryan, man, what are you eating? <laughs> yeah. I did that. I did I did that to a, a basketball teammate of mine. So he was we only had a you know certain number of pair of shorts, and he was the tallest guy on the team, biggest guy on the team. So he got the largest pair of shorts. And I wanted to be like Michigan Wolverines and have the big baggy shorts. But I so I I took him home one night and I switched out the uh uh the tags and gave him, and for the entire year, I felt so, the entire year, the guy looked so uncomfortable and had these <laughs> tightest shorts on. They were like <laughs> women's volleyball shorts. And uh, Jay, Jay, if you're listening, if you're listening to the show, Jay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. Yeah, he listens every week, actually, this guy from Great Falls, Montana. <laughs> yeah, he did yeah. want us to bring it up. Um, so this Broncos game, game yeah. um, because obviously we don't have access to, we've got YouTube, we've got all that sort of stuff now. We weren't there you know, at the time with the, with the sort of like pre-social media stuff that's going on. You said this video was like sort of the the day your career finished, but obviously you played three more years. Did that video sort of dog you on and the reputation of that specific moment dog you throughout or? Well, yeah, but it, it did. But then, and then how I dealt with it, like I was defensive of it. Uh, you know, I was defensive with the media, with teammates and ultimately, you know, uh, an injury to my, to my right wrist. Um, you know, didn't allow me to be as talented as I once was. And that ultimately is what carries you is how talented you are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was washed out after four years. So and, my uh, question with the Broncos game is you, you played for the Chargers. Um, you know, Kevin Gilbride got the guy that brought you in, got fired after six games. Um, obviously what happened is what happened. You had great games like the um, Denver Broncos game. And then you went to Dallas and the greatest franchise on planet earth, San Bay Buccaneers and finishing with the Seattle Seahawks. Now, was there any, any, any point in all of that where you're like, Ryan's rolling again. We're back. We're back, baby. You know, I, I always, you know, every, 
place I went, I would, I got an opportunity to, to kind of be the starter. So I, I, I just assumed I would be, um, but you know, after I got to Tampa and realized the situation with my wrist and I couldn't do the things that I used to be able to do. Yeah. I, I started to kind of realize that this was, this was waning. And then I was starting to develop some severe mental health, uh, issues that I wasn't addressing. And, uh, so I really probably wasn't fully aware of how depressed and and, uh, uh, and and bad it was going. So I just assumed that you know, just give me a football and a football field, and ultimately I'll I'll be a star again. It's just uh, the mindset I'd always had that I'll I'll figure it out. But when you get to that level, uh, it, you know, it is it is not about you know, just picking it up and doing it. It is a you are a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and you have a, you better act accordingly. So, with what happened, you know, leaving the NFL and all that sort of stuff, I've always been fascinated, and that candidly is why, you know, I've since I started this company, I've held you up as someone who I was like, it's just fascinating, you know, the life story of it. You know, it's all well and good. We can talk about sporting success and Super Bowls and all that sort of stuff, but it's it's the human element of it that fascinates me and we've talked to Roberto Aguayo who actually presented on the show for a short while legend um about what it's like when this thing that you've grown up you know thinking this is my thing football is my thing you know mine's acting Uh, if you know I was to go out and do it in front of the world and then the world said ah you're no good what is what is that like like you know it's incredibly difficult uh but you know, my expectations were higher than anybody else's. So I was, I was incredibly frustrated and disappointed in myself. And so I was, there was a ton of self-loathing as well as, uh, you know, you know, public judgment and criticism that I had to deal with. And I wasn't dealing with it in a healthy way. And, and once I was able to fully uh, take accountability for my piece and understand that I don't have control over what anybody else says or does or thinks or, any of that that's that's when i finally kind of came full circle and i just it took a humbling experience right it took me to the bottoms it took me to a prison cell it took me uh to to criminality and as a drug addict and so um i'm very grateful for having gone through what i did i don't recommend it to anybody but um you know i'm 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 incredibly grateful tomorrow will be nine years sober for me um, something that I'm incredibly proud of and uh, I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Well, you can be even more proud because when this episode comes out, it will be nine years and a week. And a week! So congratulations, a week from today. Cheers! Well done, <laughs> yeah. I think the coolest thing you've ever said, um, I don't suppose to know everything you've ever said, but something I read on the internet that I was like, that's... He's trying to prove it, though. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. trying to prove it with the amount of research he's done. That's When you someone asked you, they were like, would you rather have had Peyton Manning's career? And you were like, I would rather have had Peyton's career and also everything I've been through so I can get to a place where I am right now with the gratitude and perspective that I have. I thought that was amazing. Well, yeah. And, and, and uh, I, I figure if I would have had Peyton's career, I probably wouldn't have gone through the things that I went through. And with the personality and, be, and the character and, and everything that I had, um, you know, I probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't, be a very good person. So, um, again, incredibly grateful for everything I went through. Um, of course, I wish I would have been a better football player. 
um, not only for myself, but for the teams I played for and the ownership and the fans, all of that, they, you know, they, they wanted me to be successful too. They didn't want me to fail. No one did. So it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, um, much to the fault of my own. And, uh, I learned a valuable lesson because of it. And that's why I'm grateful for it. I think we found out through talking to a lot of people on this show that really success doesn't do anything other than give you success. And it's actually failure and tough times and hardship that most people will look back on as the moments in their life that they actually appreciate growth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Adversity, adversity shows. I think what success does success in money uh, tends to uh, exacerbate in uh, your character defects. I think that's what it does. It can, it can showcase you as a, you know, uh, solid person, or it can really expose you to, uh, the elements. And then you're going to have to try to have to deal with stuff in a positive way. So yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree with that. So I've got one more thing and then a game, we'll finish on a game and we'll be out of your hair, sir. Um, I don't know if you've read, someone absolutely, a, a beat writer absolutely nailed the trifecta when he was comparing uh, yourself, Peyton Manning, and Charles Woodson's um, sort of like projections for the NFL. I don't know if you've read this. <laughs> this is this this statement is why I put no stock in pre-draft projections or rankings. <laughs> so I want to get your All take right. on this. Woodson's two-way acting college won't, won't prepare him well for the pros, at least not right away. It's likely that Woodson will be will resemble Elvis Toast Patterson during his rookie season. Biggest flops. Without a doubt, Peyton Manning. Whoever has the misfortune to draft this overrated collegian will be clamoring for the Chicago Bears 1972 highlight film when their offense was led by Bobby Douglas. Dark horse, Ryan Leaf. He may not have won the Rose Bowl for Washington State, but the guy's a player. A team like Denver would be wise to take him as the successor to John Elway. And they were for the first two games. (laughs) Exactly the same. Who wrote that? I wish I could tell you some small town magazine. Oh. <laughs> it is. It, it, it was written. I'm looking at the article here. He didn't just write that in. His yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Source unconfirmed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's in your handwriting, Hugh. Probably was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> dad, stop writing for the Tribune. <laughs> yeah. Because coming up to the Dross around the corner, obviously, and lots of quarterbacks, obviously, being looking to take in the first round, hugely deep quarterback draft. Based on what happened in your experience and what you've seen subsequently in all of the prospects that you've analysed, do can you tell? Do you, does anyone really know, or is, is does it just prove that no one knows nothing, as Scott Hansen says? Yeah, it's it's that. I mean, you have a pretty good idea. I mean, you have a pretty good idea with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the person you're going to get, unfortunately, is most likely going to go to Jacksonville, which is you know systematically uh, uh, been an issue, right? Where there's a, there's never been a Hall of Famer. Uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars organization, right? Joe Burrow a year ago goes to Cincinnati, you know, and we may not hear anything of him like we didn't Carson Palmer. Uh, Is that the same for the Sam playoffs, Donald but, for the Jets? But they're not going to win championships. So, you know, it, it's it's difficult. It's about where you, you know, it's, it's a 50-50 shot at where you go, I think. And then I really think it's probably 70-30 in terms of, you know, 70% chance that it's not going to work out to 30%. But you got to take a chance because you got to, you got to think and hope you're going to find somebody like Patrick Mahomes when you do it. And mm-hmm. if you do, you're set for a decade at the quarterback position. And that's ultimately what every, or every, uh, uh, you know, every 
team is looking for. And I mean, you mentioned that. I mean, fit obviously very important as well. There is it true, Archie Manning, the, um, when Eli was getting drafted, reached out to you with regards to the situation you had with the Chargers, and that led to Eli holding out and not wanting to go to them because of. Well, I, I think there was a a lot that went into it, but yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, he was my dad was honest with him. He, oh, he called said, your dad. You know, That's right. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't help my son. You know, when things got difficult, they kind of tucked tail and ran. Um, so he was just being honest. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't fill him in like, but my, my son was a nightmare to them too. So you may have wanted to tuck tail and run too, but if you're going to invest that much money in somebody and somebody really struggles and is going through something, you'd hope that they would have your back. Mm. Um, and so I think that just that enlightened the Mannings and they simply said, Hey, you know, we don't, we don't think the Spanos is and, and the San Diego chargers is the right fit for our son. And, uh, we love the Maras, and and we think New York's a better fit. And Shirley was a great choice. They ended up winning two Super Bowls there with Eli, so uh, it, it worked out. It worked out for, I think it worked out for everybody too. I think Philip Rivers, you know, uh, uh, was an unbelievable quarterback yeah. for them during his reign there oh, too. Yeah. So they got a great quarterback in return. Fortunately, not a not a championship. Do you think has someone who? Um, you know, was drafted in the NFL late 90s where it was like, okay, we're going to take Peyton Manning, we're going to take Ryan Leaf, we're going to take whoever, they're going to come into the Chargers and they're going to have to learn the Chargers system. Whereas now it's like, we're going to take Kyler Murray and we're going to completely redesign our offense around, you know, what he does. Was it harder to, you know, get used to the NFL and play in the NFL as a quarterback, as a young quarterback yeah, back I then? I mean, you had, to, you had to come learn a whole new system. Ironically enough, they had a chance to hire my college coach in year two. And they hired a guy that he that he beat down uh, at Oregon State because they're the general manager and, and him were buddies and Mike Riley. So, uh, yeah, it's changed different significantly. You know, coaches are more open minded to fit with what their best player does best. And I love to see it. I love to see Arizona do that with Kyler Murray. I love to see when when Sean McVay got the job in, in L.A., you know, really trying to fit it towards what Jared Goff did best. Um, those types of things, you know, are making a difference and we see it. I mean, uh, I tell you right now, the offense that, that Alex Smith ran the year that Patrick Mahomes got there is completely different than when, I, when, when Patrick Mahomes took over the reins, right? He yeah. fit it to what, what Patrick does best. And that's coaches, coaches have evolved and learned that, uh, as far as the quarterback goes, goes their career. And that's where they're, where so they're you build your offense around them. Yep. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've reached the game. It's time for a nice game with Ryan Leaf. Pinnacle, um, the pinnacle. The pinnacle of every episode. Um, games we played in the past have been Barrett or Carrot with Shaq Barrett. We've uh, asked him to identify himself or a carrot in pictures. Hellman's yay or nays with Dave Hellman. True or false game, fantastic. Uh, Jacoby's tones. We played wide receiver Jacoby Jones' uh, ringtones from the 1990s. He had to tell him what they were. So this week, uh, we decided to play a little game entitled... Let's get niche with, with Ryan, Ryan Leaf. Leaf. Doesn't, so, doesn't rhyme. Doesn't rhyme. But... Half rhyme. Half rhyme. Yeah. So close. It's close. <laughs> it is close. Maybe sounds closer in, in Great Britain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that matters. Um, we're going to ask you questions and you're going to have to answer the question, but also tell me why I asked it, if that makes sense. Okay. So if I asked you, what would you rather have? A black olive and Canadian bacon pizza or a Vito's uh, sandwich from Jimmy John's? Um, probably a, a 
Canadian bacon, black olive pizza, especially from uh, my hometown, uh, Howard's Pizza. So why did I ask? Why did I ask that question? I don't know why you asked that. Question. <laughs> I don't know why I asked that question. I, I believe um, that is your favorite pizza. Well, yes, of course. Yeah, you. It's my favorite pizza. And my favorite, you know, my favorite sub sandwich place to go. Is ding ding, Jimmy done. Tom. Easy game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. Oh, the yeah, fun we game. have. Okay, I get it. All right, all right, all right. I just gotta assume that you've done your research and you know these things. Yeah, right, yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I don't know why you asked that. What a yeah. weird question to yeah. ask me. What a weirdly specific and accurate yeah, thing to yeah, ask exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Have you ever played Madden 1998 to 2000? I have. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was given it. Uh, every year uh, because I was the motion capture quarterback for the game. Yes, so there we go. The momentum of the game is picking up. How many, but when you did that, yeah. did you have to act like other quarterbacks? You're just like, no, nah, I'm just going to do one take of these. No, I just, I just did me. I just did me. So when Brett Favre was out there running around in the 99 game, it was Ryan, <laughs> it was Ryan Lee's Lee. Was, when, when it was Peyton Manning, you just stand there scratching your big head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do nothing, throw picks. <laughs> Um, if you could have been selected by any other NFL team, are you sure it would have been the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yes, by far. But Easily. didn't your mum get you a Steelers helmet and you threw it in the bin? Sorry, trash. Uh, yeah. One day when they got beat, uh, she saw me march into the kitchen, toss that helmet in the trash, and then she just let it play out. And about 15 minutes later, I came back with a kind of a pouty head and pulled it out of the trash can and and took it back. I hated losing. Man, if I was her, I would have dumped the whole rest of the roast dinner on top of that and you would have had to have scraped it off. And I would have gone, you're yeah, not using yeah. the microwave again, Ryan. Yeah, for your two minute drills. Okay, next one. Of all the Heisman winners, who is the best karaoke singer? And you can phone a friend. I, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't around. My dad, you'd have to ask my dad that question. He was the one that, that uh, he'd probably say Mike Rogier. It seems like, like Mike Rogier was in everybody's story. My uncle's story, my brother's story, my dad's story. So seemingly he, that's been the constant in all this. So I'd say Mike Rogier is probably the best uh, Heisman uh, winners karaoke. Because man. after the Heisman trophy ceremony, um, you were left at sort of two o'clock in the morning and you go back to the hotel and there's Archie Griffin, Mike Rogier and your dad singing karaoke around a piano. Brilliant. Yeah, Love it. Pretty special night. Second to last, what's a harder night's sleep? The night before we have to play Darrell Russell or sleeping in a room with a man who's killed his family? Uh, easy. Uh, I'm sleeping in a, man, in a room where a man's killed his own family. That was, <laughs> that was incredible. Um, first, first week in prison, I was, this guy was my roommate and that's, he was in there because he had, he had murdered, murdered his family. Um, ugh. And I, I honestly thought, I'm like, oh my God, he's going to kill me in my sleep tonight. Yeah. So I don't think I slept for like, I don't know, three or four days. Finally, ultimately, I was able to get a transfer and moved in with a, another roommate. Um, and I've really slept well from that <laughs> moment on. Uh, yeah, right. I really have. Doesn't matter you how would. bad of a night's sleep that you're like, yeah, God, it's, not worse it's than better that than week. that. Yeah. It's much better than that. And the final question yeah. What is Sam Bradford like at family gatherings? Key question. I don't know. Why would I know this? Oh, excellent. What a way to end the what podcast. What a way to end the podcast. Ryan, did you know that you are fourth cousins once removed with Sam Bradford? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Where the hell did you figure that out? There is a, there's a long thing online. I could have gone through it, but I didn't think you'd know half the people. But you are fourth cousins once removed with uh, NFL quarterback and Oklahoma Sooner, 
yeah. I believe. Uh, Sam Bradford. Well, call I'm calling him for a loan then. You, know? <laughs> you share 1% of DNA. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That, I, that is, I've, I've learned something new. This is amazing. Yeah. I, yeah, now I'm definitely calling it like a, a long lost cousin showing up on his doorstep. Hey, hey, cuz, I need, I need, a, I need a few shekels here. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought you this gift basket for the pictures of the weird woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I'll send you the, um, I'll send you the thing after the show. I'll just DM it so you can have a look. Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Mr. Ryan Leaf on the NBL show. I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. And um, check out the RDL show. Um, watch out Pat McAfee watch out Rich Eisen yeah well watch Rich Eisen's show if you want to hear the full story of Ryan's conversation with Jim Irsay don't stop watching their shows I I scheduled it perfectly their shows end at noon my show starts at noon so when you're done watching the Rich Eisen show or the Pat McAfee show just pop on over to the RDL show we'll have a good time love it done it's like Bake Off the extra bite I know look at this we're like a band of podcast brothers fantastic ladies and gentlemen tune in next week who will we have Who knows? No idea. But we'll see you there. That was the NVL show. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you want that vintage jersey just can't find, head to us on nationalvintageleague.com or if you want to follow us on social media, it's at nationalvintageleague on Instagram and at nvltweets on Twitter. So until next time, you take it easy. What's up, guys? You're watching NVL, not NFL. NVL, which is way better than NFL. Just ask me because I work for the NFL. I might get fired for saying that. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.